In this conversation, I speak with Miss G, who I met on Twitter. She talks a lot about flirting, but I found that the way that she talks about flirting really leads to a lot of other things, like how you pay attention and how you feel gratitude and what wisdom is. And so in this conversation, we talk about all of those things, as well as her story and how she learned these different things in her own life and how she shares them with the world through her coaching and on Twitter. And I so enjoyed this conversation and hope you will as well. Hi, Miss G. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. So uh, there's a lot we can talk about today, and I would just love to hear you start by revealing the mystery of who you are (laughs) and where you come from, because, you know, I'm just so impressed with you. And like, you know, recently people had on Twitter, like putting their age and their handle and you put it 24. And I was like, holy shit, there's so much wisdom here coming out of this woman. And I just am dying to know who you are, where you come from, how you became so wise, like, tell me everything about you. Oh my gosh, you are too kind. Um, so I was I was born in India. I was raised in the Middle East in Dubai, and then I moved to New York. Um, and so it's kind of I think a bunch of it is just like having a a lot of rich experiences like at a really young age, and um, lots of like you know lots of like different kinds of pain. Um, I think a lot of wisdom is earned. So if people ascribe it to me, I usually just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's really great. And I super appreciate you saying that. Um, but it was, it was earned from like having to figure it out, right? Like if I didn't have those experiences in my life, I probably wouldn't have been who I am now, which I mean, in a way it's great, but um, I think that's what it is that like, I had a bunch of stuff happen, like, you know, my childhood and like moving around a lot and with my parents and a bunch of stuff so I I think that's kind of where it all comes from just like having a lot of rich experiences at a really really young age all like crammed up together so I feel like I've lived like 50 years already and I'm I'm tired I'm funny for it I'm I'm a little exhausted now (laughs) but like I I guess I, I like you know I have something to offer hopefully so um in that way it's great I really appreciate you saying that Can you tell me a little bit about like, I don't know, any of the kind of like formative stories for you that helped you like acquire that wisdom as it were? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I was like raised in a pretty like conservative-ish um, situation. Um, mm. I was born into a spiritual cult. So there was that. And I got out of that when I was about 16, 17. I started um, thinking that it was a little bit contradictory. I I think one of the wisest things someone said to me recently was that religion can be very useful to, you know, give you community and give you principles and values to like um, try to get to, but it starts making less sense when there are internal contradictions that you start noticing. And I thought that was really incredible. Like that's exactly what happened with my, with my spiritual upbringing. I learned so many incredible things and I was raised by a community of people, which I needed because my, you know, my parents were a little, one of them was absent and one of them was abusive. So like I needed other people to raise me and I'm still very grateful for that. But there were a lot of internal contradictions, which come with, being a human you know like there was the concept of service it's called seva and it's it's the most noble and charitable thing to do with your life like it is the most it's the most immense kind of prayer 
I don't, um, I'm trying to like translate the Hindi word into, into English, but like, it's the most like, you know, deep form of prayer is doing service to other people, um, doing service for other people. And so um, I just noticed that like there were politics in that and there were hierarchies of sevadars, like someone was better than the other person and someone would get more hours and other people wouldn't get that many. And I was like, this is a little bit weird. A lot of these people are just kind of there to inflict power and to inflict control onto other people in the name of religion and the name of spirituality. And I started not liking going anymore. So I kind of got my dad and my sibling out of it um, around then. And my mom, my mom was sick when I was nine. She had kidney failure. And so I kind of raised myself and my sibling who was seven years younger than I was. So there was that. My dad was always with my mom. Obviously, it made sense. Um, so I was really like mostly just like kind of alone a lot of the time. Um, so I was like the third parent of the household. Like I, I did everything else. And I think it's, a, you know, it's, it's stuff like that just like added up all over like over the course of my life. And then I, I moved to New York when I was 18. And I realized that um, I didn't really know who I was. Obviously, I was 18 years old. I had no idea, but I thought I did. I'm so sorry. I'm going to switch off this. So I thought I did. I thought I understood who I was. And then I moved to New York and I came to be more myself than I ever thought I could be almost. Like I was raised in a conservative Indian household in a Muslim country. I had no concept of actually liking myself. I had a lot of body image issues, pretty much any issue you can think of. I had it. I just didn't know that I, that I had it. And moving to New York was incredible. I met some amazing people. I met some terrible people. The terrible people kind of helped in their own way and made me realize that I needed to be very careful with who I let into my life. Um, so it's just like a bunch of crazy experiences, one after the other, after the other, um, just all the time, constantly. I don't think I, I think a lot of the times I would whine to my dad, like I was like, I would just like to be bored for one year, just one year of just being very bored, nothing excitable, nothing happens, no growth. I'm done. I'm tired of growth. I don't want to grow anymore. I would just like to, to just be bored and it never happened. Um, but every single year, I mean, I could just go on forever, but like every single year until 24, I've had something or the other happen. Last year, you know, the pandemic happened and I had a bunch of plans for my life and all of them went up and went to shit. Mm. And, um, you know, I moved back here. My dad got COVID. My uncle died. He was my closest uncle. So it's just, it's always mm. been something or the other. And the only way I've been able to get through all of it is to just be like, okay, um, that wasn't great, but what did we learn from that? Like, what is the lesson that we got from it? And I think that just kind of adds to any kind of knowledge that people perceive that I might have. It's just that there's, there's only, there's only so much that you can do about it, right? Like, or you would just, you would just be paralyzed with the unfairness of it all. Like it would just be crushing and you would just be like, you know what, I'm tired. Like, this is not worth doing anymore. And I don't, like, this is not fair and I don't deserve this. And and then I would just not be able to live my life. So the only way I could deal with it is be like, okay, that sucked. Let's deal with that. Let's feel our feelings. And let's try to figure out how we can learn something from it. Mm. Or I would just be lying in bed all the time, just like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Um, 
when you so think, had these difficult experiences and kind of like learned from them and looked back mm -hmm. and was like, what lesson did I learn? How, how did you make sure that you sort of internalize the lessons from your experience? Mm, that's actually, that's a great question. Um, just internalizing something and like knowing it are such different things. Knowing mm -hmm. something is like, okay, I know this, but like, how do mm -hmm. I integrate it into my system? And I think it, I think I might ascribe that to finding the right people to surround myself with. Mm -hmm. I, I'm incredibly blessed to have friends who are my soulmates. And I know that for a fact. And I have like 15 of them, which not a lot of people can say that like they, I genuinely believe this, like my friends are my soulmates. Mm -hmm. um, I found them at a really young age in a, in a city of 8 million people. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. Uh, it took me a while to find them, but they are, you know, they're the loves of my life. And I think it's because that they were around me that they kind of reinforced the things that I was trying to learn by bringing them back to me almost. Like, I think Visa talks about this, that the, the best way to manage your knowledge is to have good friends, is to tell mm. them the things that you think. And then they, you know, they always come back to you with the same thing. The, the number of times I've had some issues and I've been whining to a friend and they give me verbatim the same advice that I gave them a year ago. And I'm like, you're just, you're just telling me what I told you. And they're like, yeah, you already know this. Like, just, just do the thing that you said I should do. And I was like, yeah, um, it's true. Like I stored all of my knowledge in some incredible people that have no issues, you know, whacking me in the face with it when I need it. Mm. Um, and it's because it comes from a great place of love. It's because they love me completely. It's the, it's, it's the kind of love that I hadn't experienced before I met them mm. and they're my family. So I think that's why I think it's because every time I would lose my way, which happens because I'm a human being, I would like move back into patterns that weren't great for me. I was able to be like, I'm trying to do this thing. Can you help me? And they were like, absolutely. And even the even the even the way to ask for help, something I, I didn't know how to do that ever. I ended up in, you know, really terrible situations, mental health wise, because I couldn't ask for help. I didn't know how. Mm. So even that was because of them that they insisted on providing help and on noticing me and paying attention to me and being like hey I don't are you doing okay like you seem a little bit off and I was like I didn't even know I was off but now that you say it yeah I'm not doing so good mm -hmm. um thank you for asking um they were the first people I cried in front of like I had never done that before in my life cried in front of anyone ever and it was unbelievably vulnerable and intimate to me and I was able to do that in like a Starbucks on campus with other people around but because my best friend was there I kept saying sorry and, and she was like why you feel things and it's fine like don't apologize to me that's what I'm here for and she she said like how is there some, how can I make you feel good right now and I just remember that moment of like you care about making me feel good like that's mm. crazy to me and she was like, you've been doing that for me for four years. You just don't say it out loud, but you do it. And I was mm. like, oh, I had no idea. So I think it's because of them. It's because they're the greatest people in the world and I'm obsessed with them. And I found mm. amazing people. So yeah, it's, I found the friendly ambitious nerds like in my life. Amazing, amazing. Uh, that's such a good answer. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. I just asked because like, I often feel like I'm learning a lesson from life and receiving wisdom and then I'll forget it and not apply it. And, um, you know, 
variable success there sometimes more than other times but um, that's such a it makes sense that that's how you internalized the wisdom is having friends yeah. that just remind you when you need it um like yeah. hello you told me this six months ago just like do yeah. the thing that you told me to do and i'm like oh right <laughs> correct this you does sound right. familiar uh, <laughs> seems like i said it yeah you did say it here's a <laughs> screenshot of you saying it to me oh god <laughs> oh man wow so tell me about like in in this sort of yeah in your in your personal life how flirting entered the picture and what your own flirting journey was right um yeah so i i think it starts from like the fact that uh when i was in school i was very i was like known for being how do you how do i put this a bitch i was known mm. for being a bitch like i was intimidating i was bitchy and I, looking back, I think it's just, you know, it was a, it was a girl who was confident and, and, you know, like wanted to do things with her life. And that always comes off as bitchy and intimidating and intimidating was the number one word that like boys in my school used to describe me. Mm. And I internalized the hell out of that back then. I was like, fine, I guess I am then. And I, you know, I was a tomboy, tomboy and didn't appreciate my femininity. I was like, oh, I hate pink. And mm. I, you know, I can't hang out with girls. I, you know, like there's too much drama, which is ridiculous. My girlfriends are the greatest, you know, blessings in my life. But um, back then I was trying super hard to hide because I didn't, I didn't like how I was perceived. And then on top of that, somehow I was slut shamed throughout all of high school, which like was very contradictory and didn't make sense. Um, so I felt really like, you know, like I can't do this. I can't date people. I can't like people. This is not for me. Um, because already people have such varying perceptions of me and I'm just trying to get through high school. Um, I would, you know, being popular is being well-liked and being well-known. I was like, I had people who were in camps. They were like, I hate her or I loved her. There was no in-between. Mm. And so it was, it's exhausting for a teenager, especially with everything going on in my house. Like it was just, it was a bunch. And I look back at that and I'm like, how did I do any of that? Like that to, to make out, make it out of there and like move to New York. Like it, I have no idea how I did that. Kudos to young me. She was a bad bitch. I have no idea how she figured that out, but when I got to New York, I was like, I can do whatever I want. No one knows me. Like no one has any preconceived notions of who I am or anything. And I, I wasn't like completely aware of who I was as a person, right? Like I was 18. So I, I had a narrative of who I was and then, you know, other people perceived me and I had no idea that I was very, flirty and I had no concept of that I was like no I just like people and like they're nice and I like talking to them and that's kind of it that was not the case I did not know that the way that I was was you know was like particularly loquacious or charming or any of that like I ascribed those specific qualities to literally anyone that wasn't me to the point where I you know I found the the friends who were like, let's talk about how you perceive yourself versus how literally everyone else does. Um, and that doesn't mean that like they're right, but you do have, you know, there's like a gap between what I see myself as and like what other people see myself as. Like the same thing of like, you know, when I'm like, you should just look in the mirror and be like, yeah, like, who's that? Holy shit. Like, wow, that's, that's, that's one sexy ass motherfucker. Um, you, you need to actually believe it, right? Like, I, I, I didn't believe any of that. Like, I, I was just like, eh, I'm just like a nerdy, dorky person. And like, you know, sometimes it works out. Um, and I look, looked back later on and I was like, 
you had a lot of successes with people when, you know, you were flirting with them or at parties or whatever. Like I had a lot of successes, but I didn't ascribe them to me. And then I had some very, you know, well-meaning friends who are, you know, obviously straight men who are like, you know, I feel like you're leading people on sometimes mm-hmm. with like the, with the way that you are. And obviously I felt bad. I was like, I'm not trying to hurt people. Like, that's not what I'm trying to accomplish, but it came up enough that I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to be more careful. And I kind of shut down in that place again. And it mm-hmm. kind of took me back to high school where I was like, oh, I guess I just can't be myself because I'm hurting other people. And I didn't know that I was hurting them. Um, and then I came on Twitter. I've been on Twitter since 2012, but I was private. And and then I, you know, I met Visa and he changed my life. And I went public like in December, I think, of last year. And um, I was just being myself and felt comfortable doing that because I was like, well, you know, no one's going to like yell at me. Like, no one knows me. I have like 400 followers. Like it doesn't matter. And the more I was just like, you know, I, I find people delightful. I like talking to them. And I happen to be on the side of Twitter where people are incredible, like top tier human beings. So I was obviously like, oh my God, everyone is so hot. Holy shit. Like, how am I supposed to not? flirt with all of you that's insane like no one should expect this of me and so I was you know I just flirted a lot I was like yeah, I'm gonna flirt with everybody um and people didn't get mad at me for like for the first time and they didn't see me as leading them on or anything like that because it was the internet so people weren't like oh, she's like you know she's like she, I, I thought she meant something, but no, I didn't. It's, it's the internet. You can't be taking me seriously. That, that doesn't, I think there was a balance that I struck there where like, I was genuinely like very interested in them as people, but they weren't like, oh, this person's trying to get into my pants because I can't, because right. we don't, it's the internet. So that really helped. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, people see me for who I am and they like it. They actually enjoy that part of me. And I wrote about, it was like a random, tweet where I was like you know I used to always be like oh my god I'm just being friendly like I'm not leading people on but now I realized no I just am flirting all the time 24 7 constantly it's not my fault are you on sexy that's on you that's not my problem <laughs> you didn't want to be flirted yeah. with you shouldn't have been sexy <laughs> sounds like a you problem <laughs> you should have fixed on you should have fixed that that's not me so I was joking but you know I was like sort of like I'm not gonna stop being who I am because other people don't know how to manage their feelings. I'm not going to manage them for them. Like I have, I have like, you know, complex PTSD and everything. And I've been managing feelings my whole life. For Mm. the first time I was like, actually, I could just choose to not do that anymore. I give myself permission to not manage someone else's feelings around me. I'm just going to do what I'm doing and try to make sure that I'm being kind and warm and Mm. supportive. And that's, that's where my role ends in, in this interaction. It takes two people. I'm not everybody's mom. So, um, and people reacted really well to that. And I was like, Mm. "What? it's great. I I love validation. It's fantastic. Um, And so I just started doing more of it. And I started introspecting more about what flirting meant to me and, you know, why it felt wrong to me when people said that I was leading them on or leading other people on because their concept of flirting was just different from mine. I had a very specific model for what it was. And since I was thinking about it so much, on the internet, I started introspecting a lot more and writing about it. And I really, like, I, you know, really figured out what my model was and like why I felt how I felt about who I was. And like, I fully accept myself for who I am. 
So like shout out Twitter for that. Mm. That's because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of the, the long like journey of accepting myself and who I am and expressing my femininity and being comfortable with who I am and not caring if I'm not everyone's cup of tea. That's okay. That's fine. Mm. I can't be. Uh, everyone's not my cup of tea. So, mm. um, well, and somehow, of course, like when you step into that, like being okay with not being everyone's cup of tea, it, it just makes you that much more lovely. So, um, yeah, but let's talk I'm about, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your concept of flirting, because I think this is really one of the biggest things that I've personally learned from you is like the concept that I had of flirting and what, how I understand it now is just totally different. And uh, I would be curious to hear you speak to that of like how you understand it now, having done all this introspection and practice and like all of these shifts, what, what is flirting? And, and also like, why does it matter so much? It, it's surprising how much it matters. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's tied into so much stuff. Like flirting is kind of, it's kind of the mask on top of self-love and inner mm. work and loving other people and compassion and so it's it's a bunch of stuff actually and it's so interesting how much it's meant to me over the last few months that I've been introspecting more about it I'm like wow this is like actually a really big part of who I am but I've never like looked at it in this way um but I it's it's like I have the knowledge inside of me it just kind of bubbled up because of because of everybody on Twitter but flirting to me is is it's it's giving people a gift it's Mm -hmm. It's two things, most of all. It is paying attention, which is like my like number one talking point. It's like paying attention, pay attention, pay attention. Um, and I wish that I I, I want to figure out a, a better way to say it than paying attention. But like for now, that's that's what I say. And um, two, it is you know it is getting in touch with your curiosity and then channeling it towards other people. And those two things combined is a is a massive gift that you get to give other people because you make them feel seen and heard and like they're a real person. It's like almost a grounding thing that you get to give someone else. You get to make them feel solid. And that is an incredible gift that you get to give other people. Um, And none of my, you know, none of my flirting came from a place of wanting anything from people. Like, that's why it really surprised me when people like, you're leading this person on. I was like, I don't even want anything from them. Like, why am I leading them on? I just think that they're cool. And I told them that to their face. That's kind of it, really. Um, So I think it's that like, when you pay really good attention to people, like really like look at them and then tell them that you see them and tell them the things that you see and you you know usually they're compliments because people are delightful and so when you when you train yourself to notice beauty and then you just start seeing it everywhere and everyone and it becomes second nature then you it just kind of you're, you're just like i want to tell people like i have all this love inside of me it's love really it's you know and people have this like really grand notions of love which is fine um but yeah my notion of love is you know in in terms of flirting it's it, it's a form of love you give people love and it's unconditional really you meet someone for three minutes at a party and you remember that um they like red wine the next time they come to a party that's that's love you know you remember something about them you paid attention to them they feel seen they feel like you know oh like i took up space in this person's mind they like remember this thing about me that's loving. That's something that, you know, you care about someone. That's compassion. You care about them. And it doesn't have to be anything more than that. But I think that's where, that's, that's 
what flirting means to me is really giving them a gift of like, I love you. You're so great. Like, wow, this is amazing. I want nothing from you at all. I am outcome independent with who you are as a person or any sort of relationship. I just want you to know that I think you're incredible. Mm -hmm. And um, whatever it might be, I, I, I would, since I was in New York, there's a lot of people, it's easy to practice, you know, and it's easy to like fall in your mm -hmm. face a lot as well, which I think was important for me in terms mm -hmm. of like figuring out what's going on. Um, but I pretty consistently, pretty often, actually, every time I was outside and I was outside every single day, would always like end up complimenting someone on the street, on the subway, at a cafe, something or the other, because I almost felt like I didn't have any control over it. I was like, oh my God, that person is gorgeous. I need to go tell them right now, like immediately, like they need to know. Um, and no one hates that. Well, I think it's easier because I'm a pretty girl. So like, you know, a pretty mm. girl comes up to you and is like, hey, you're very handsome. And I just wanted to let you know. And and that's kind of it really. And have a great day. Um, no one hates that. And there's no pressure on them to do anything about it because I'm not, I don't want anything from you. I just think you're hot. And I want you to know that you're hot. Um, and that's kind of really it. It, it sometimes it leads to you know people asking you out or um, you finding like an incredible friend really on the street where they're like oh my god shut up I was thinking that about you and I was like oh my god that's crazy um, and it's it's just really nice and wonderful and people have such a capacity to to just share this with each other all the time like ideally everyone is flirting 24 7 all the time with everybody as we should I think it's lovely um with no attachment to any outcomes with each other you know you just go with the flow and see see what happens but just tell them that you think they're great because most people are i think everyone has goodness in them so i think that's done <laughs> with mm. my brain saying um but mm. that's that's what i think it is at, at least that's that's the way that i happen to practice it and the way that i happen to tell people and teach them and try to coach them along mm-hmm mm -hmm. oh man yeah, there's just so much in there and like it just unfolds in terms of how you're seeing yourself and the other person and the relationship and that you're not expecting anything but you're giving this gift and you're paying attention to them and um i think i'd be really curious to dive into um hear more about this uh aspect of paying attention to someone um mm -hmm. and i totally agree it would be lovely to find a different way to talk about that um but I think that sort of overlaps with my own interest, just coming from a meditation background and contemplative practice of like mm -hmm. really cultivating a relationship to paying attention to anything, whether it's a person or just your breath or your body or what emotions are present in the body or anything like that. And I would be curious to hear about your own relationship to like paying attention to something, whether it's, you know, people when you're flirting, or I know you talk about like romanticizing domesticity as well, like just paying attention to like the small things that you have to do anyway in your life and just hear about your relationship to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really, all of my talking points are like tied into each other mm -hmm. like that. Um, so I, I, when I was a kid, like, you know, I was raised in a spiritual cult and we would have satsang, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, in, I think in churches, they have like, you know, Sunday mass and they have a priest like telling you stuff like how to be a good person. So we had that every Friday. And when we were, when we were kids, like, you know, they didn't put us in the, in the adult lecture hall, they put us in childcare. And we mm -hmm. had, we had aunties and in Indian culture, everyone's an auntie. They don't have to be related to you. Um, and they would do like little skits and plays for kids. And I loved it. It was my favorite thing ever. I would wake up super early to get to satsang at seven in the morning. And it was my favorite thing to do ever. Um, 
and they would often like you know they would all the aunties knew me they basically raised me so they would be like okay you know what like call her she's gonna do a skit about gratitude or a skit about enthusiasm or whatever and so every week we would have a virtue that they would choose and then we would do exercises and plays and you know have a little lecture and just learn about that virtue um, and how we can embody it into our lives and I think honestly um, that should have been the case for the adults too like it was an incredible experience for me and I still remember it very fondly um, honesty is the best policy and like zeal and enthusiasm for life is good and you know like gratitude is the foundation for life and that really stuck with me because I still remember one of my aunties was doing a satsang and she said when you say thank you to God um, he hears little bells in his ears and it's a really beautiful sound and he appreciates it you know and you you get to make music for this person that's brought you into the world so I would recommend that you do it all the time and it really really I was like six years old but it really stuck with me it was kind of a magical image that she'd given me and I still carry it with me um, and so since then, I've always had a constant stream in my head of, should I say really nice day? Thanks, Babaji. I used to call him Babaji. So like, you know, thank you. Or like, I was just, just constantly all the time. Like I didn't miss the bus. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, and I would look up and be like, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just did that all the time. And then, you know, I went on my own, on my own journey that had less to do with God and more to do with like, you know, spirituality and energy and all of that. But I still carried that with me always. And I think I, when I was in college, I was, you know, I struggled with a lot of stuff, but um, at some point I just remembered that it's, it's, it was such a part of my life that I hadn't even noticed it. Like I was like, yeah, you say thank you all the time. I was like, oh, right. Like <laughs> I, gratitude is like the foundation of my entire personality. Like that's kind of just who I am. Like my friends, whenever they're imitating me would be like, guys, I'm so grateful for you. And it's just like so amazing. And like, I love you all so much because I'm like that all the time. I'm always crying about shit. And um, I think that's kind of, that kind of, that's what ties into paying attention. When you're grateful, you need to pay attention to be grateful. Like that's kind of the main thing. You can't be grateful for things that you don't actually notice. So when you start noticing, you can't stop almost like, cause it feels so good. It feels amazing in your body to be grateful. There have been times in my life when I've been so overwhelmed with gratitude that I've just like cried for hours. Just like, I can't believe this happened to me. It's so amazing. And everyone's like, you're so ridiculous. Like, I love you, but like, oh my God. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, this is, it's, it's kind of like, you know, having a big picture view of everything. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Like the fact that we are in New York City, a city that's well known for being very lonesome for people, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are lonely in New York. It's not an easy place to make friends. It's a hard city um, to have like 15 friends that you could call at any point and be like, yo, I'm having a bad day. Can we go and hang out on a rooftop or something? And so I can cry about it. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go get a beer. And it was like, fucking chill. Like, I know that it sounds super, you know, it's whatever. It's not whatever to me though, because I didn't have friends like that before in my life. And Mm. now I have so many of them and they're all incredibly loving and care about me despite any flaws or mistakes, uh, which is not a kind of love that I knew before. So I think it's insane. I think it's a blessing that I have that many people in my life in a city where people are mostly lonely. I, I, I was never lonely in New York. That was never a thing that I ever, I ever said about myself. Well, like romantically maybe because you know that happens but friend-wise I was never lonely I always had someone there um and so I think that's where 
that paying attention things come from. When you're in a city where so many things are happening, you have blinders on, you're like, I need to get from A to B, I have things to do, I have people to see, I can't focus on stuff, like I just need to, you know, I'm just doing this one thing. You miss so much. But when you start paying attention, you're like overwhelmed almost by how much stuff you have to be grateful for. Mm. And then you just can't stop. It's It feels really incredible to mm. feel that grateful. And that's where like the paying attention thing comes from. When you pay attention, it just feels good. Like you should do it because it feels amazing. And, you know, it's, it's, this is the same thing with meditation. I was actually in my, in my, you know, spiritual upbringing. Meditation was like the number one thing. My parents mm. every night would meditate for two hours and I would take my little baby pillow and like sit on there because we would do the what's it called you know when you like sit like this like Indians sit like this a lot like with, with their oh, legs yeah. crossed yeah. so like we would just we're really comfortable with that so that's how my parents would meditate and I would take mm -hmm. my little pillow and put it on my dad's lap and just go to bed um because he was oh. meditating and then he would like pick me up and put me on the bed oh, that's so um, sweet yeah so that was like most of my life as a kid um mm -hmm. and so meditation was like super like it was like a big part of my life so I think those two things really mm. you know they've made me who I am now as a person like meditating means paying attention like listen to yourself and like pay attention to your breath and that's really it mm. like just pay attention to stuff and it's kind of easy to say and I try to validate when people are like yeah it's hard um but it, honestly it's not it's like second nature once you figure it out it's really well, easy. I think that the part about gratitude is key because if you, at least in my experience, if you try to just pay attention, especially to something neutral like the breath or body sensations or something without that aspect of gratitude, then it's like neutral at best or like slightly enjoyable. You, you can make it enjoyable, but there, that's, that's, it, it's an art and it took me years to learn how to do that personally. And, but when you add in that gratitude, like the feedback loop starts and you're enjoying it and it's uh, fun and you want to do it. So at least that's been my experience with that. Um, yeah, I agree because it feels good. It's mm -hmm. like I I don't want to have any negative connotations with like mm -hmm. what gratitude feels like, but really it kind of feels like you're high, you know, yeah. like you're high on gratitude. Like yeah, it definitely. just fuses it suffuses your entire body. Like it just every cell feels it. And even thinking about it, I'm like like I feel good just even talking about it I'm like oh I feel so good <laughs> why wouldn't you do it all the time and sometimes it's hard because you know life gets really rough and that's kind of why that kind of ties into the domestic drudgery thing right like romanticize domestic drudgery romanticize small little things that you have to do every day because sometimes life is really hard and you know big things are going wrong and there's a pandemic. Like it would mm -hmm. be insane of me to be like, you should find things to be grateful for. Like, no, stuff is hard. Like it's really, really rough. And I, I know it's hard. So that's why paying attention to small things really, really helps because those things aren't going away. Those things you have to do every day anyway. You have to make yourself a cup of coffee every single day. You might as well start feeling grateful for it. So it feels really good. And it kind of keeps the practice of gratitude going for you because otherwise, you know, so I, I, obviously I have days where I don't, I can't bring myself to feel grateful for anything. I'm just like, everything is terrible. And I, or, you know, honestly, even feeling terrible at least feels like something. But mm -hmm. sometimes I don't feel anything because life happens and I get very numb and I hate it. It's very frustrating. You just don't feel anything at all. And those days I go outside and take a walk and just, I've, I just try to find one thing that I'm 
I like, just one. Just like, oh, there's like a new flower that I didn't see last time on this walk. I'm really grateful that I got to see it this time. And it makes me feel literally 10% better, but it adds up for the rest of the day. And then by the end of it, it's a completely different day for me. I'm like, that's great. I'm glad I did that. It makes me feel a lot better. I think what that's where some, like, comes in. Yeah. What are some other examples of how you do this in your own daily life that you like appreciate the small things? Oh, yeah, pretty much just everything. I think it's, I think it's such a, it's like a constant like stream of thought in my, in my head. Um, I think it's, and Nick Camarada said this like really incredible thing that I loved, which was very true and applies to me very much, which is that people who are most grateful and like paying attention to small things, they are easily impressed by everything. They're very mm -hmm. easily impressed. They're just like in awe of everything all the time. That's kind of what it is. I'm just super easily impressed by everything. I'm like, you know what's crazy? Like, is that like, I get to use my vocal cords that I had no control in building and I get to speak. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't get to do that. Um, and I get to use these sounds that we ascribed meaning to over centuries, thousands of years, human history. We ascribed abstract concepts to these sounds that we make with our mouths. And then you get a concept in your head. I basically am doing magic. And that's crazy. I don't understand how that, how that, how we figured that out. But that's insane. Especially when they're at, when they're not things you can point to. Like I can point to that and be like tree, and you're like tree. How the hell am I supposed to explain pride? How do you know what I mean when I say pride or ego or joy or happiness? And in in Hindi or Urdu, we have a lot more words than English does for things. Like mm. my favorite thing is that we have so many different words for love. English has one word. English is very boring compared to other languages. Um, mm -hmm. And English's whole thing is stealing from other languages. So I don't know why they don't do a better job of it. But uh, um, like in, in Hindi and Urdu, we have ishq, we have muhabbat, we have pyar, we have prem, we have jahat. All of these things are, you know, like nuanced ways of saying different kinds of love because mm -hmm. we recognize that there's different kinds. There's different feelings in your body when you feel them. And I'm very easily impressed by that. I'm like, that's insane. That's mm. crazy that we get we can just do that. You know, another crazy thing is that I read this incredible quote once, which was that um, I need to find it, but it was basically how our ancestors over the course of human history have to be smart enough, lucky enough, and attractive enough to keep reproducing and not die in a straight lineage that leads exactly to me to mm. you to all of us like we shouldn't be here statistically that's fucking crazy that doesn't make any sense like there's like a billion and one chance or something that we get to exist but we're here right now i think it would be a little batshit if i wasn't constantly in awe of the fact that like i'm just like yeah i'm just, you know gonna go make some coffee because i like to and i can and i woke up today and what like, that's crazy like i had this insane dream that my brain made up for me like free entertainment my dreams are very entertaining so I just wake up and I'm like that's great I get bored super easily so I find dreams incredible I wake up and I'm like I get to have coffee every morning I wake up and I'm like I get to have coffee and I love coffee it mm. makes me so happy to have mm -hmm. coffee I love the bitter taste of it I just love everything about it and I think that's that's why I'm just so in awe of the fact that like we are here right now that's crazy so I can't help but be grateful for every small thing like hmm. 
because it doesn't make sense that I should even be here. So if I'm going to be here, I might as well enjoy every second of it whenever I can and just like try to be as happy as possible all the time. Yeah, thank you so much. It's it's lovely to see you sort of embody these things because I've seen you write about them, but um, just hearing you speak about it and seeing your face is, is just light up as you talk about it is, is, is incredibly <laughs> helpful for like getting that transmission, you know? Um, it reminds me that something I'd be very curious to ask you is like, it sounds like in your experience of gratitude, like there's all of these aspects of your day from really small things to really big things that you can sort of reflect on in your mind and appreciate and that makes you feel good. And it reminds me that um, I've seen you talk a few times about on Twitter about like not thinking and having an empty head and just like not going into thinking and the relationship between these two things between thinking and not thinking is like one of my recurring interests so it really it was a pleasant surprise to see you talk about that and i would be really curious to hear about your experience of that of like what the power of not thinking is for you and how that relates to say gratitude where there is a lot of thinking for you you're like oh i get to have coffee or you know whatever it is um how those things relate for you mm. yeah that's yeah that's super interesting i don't like I, I, it's like a, it's like, you know, it's a constant stream of thought. I guess I say that, but it's, it's, it's super embodied at this point. I think the relationship mm -hmm. between thinking and not thinking for me is that I don't notice that I'm doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's turned into not thinking. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've repeated that process since I was six years old to the point where now, because it's second nature, there's no inner monologue. It's just vibes. It's just mm -hmm. pure vibes totally. at this point. It's just like a part of my body and who I am. So it doesn't take thought anymore. And I mm -hmm. think that's that's my personal relationship with it. I think. So when I'm like, no thoughts, just vibes, like, you know, head empty, like don't think about things. I think that's, it's almost like making space for gratitude to me. Mm -hmm. Because if you are, it's when I was in New York, like, you know, I felt very important because I was like, I have places to be and like things to do and people to see and like jobs to go to and classes to go to. And, you know, like I was like very, and I liked it. I enjoyed it very much. I liked feeling important in, in a, you know, while also simultaneously feeling invisible because there are so many people that no one's paying attention to. Um, and I love that. That was great. It was perfect. Uh, but my brain was so full all the time. And when I graduated, I suddenly had all this time I was like, oh, because I couldn't work also for a few months because I was international. So I was waiting on some visa stuff to come through. So I wasn't legally allowed to do anything at all. And I was like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? I've been having like 14 hour days every single day since I came to NYU. I was a, you know, very much like an overachiever. I was like, I'm doing three internships and two jobs and like, you know, all this, I'm full-time student. I'm starting a business. Like I was just, I never, I was never home. Um, I went home to sleep and out in the morning at six o'clock like I was never there but my brain was so full all the time it was exhausting like I was always tired I didn't even notice that I was tired because I was on running on six cups of coffee every single day and looking back I'm like I don't know how you were doing that <laughs> that's yeah. a lot um but when I when I was in college I wasn't paying attention to things I didn't you know gratitude happened over the summer because I was free because I had I just had two jobs instead of like you know 500 things going on um so having two jobs meant that I had time to process paying attention to things and like feeling grateful for things and once I graduated I had, I had all this free time I was like oh you don't have to think about anything because there's nothing to think about there's nothing going on you just get to decide whatever you want to think about and I'm tired so I don't even want to think about anything 
like I feel lost and um, you know empty and I don't have anything to hold on to anymore like I, I before I could be like I you know people are like what do you do and I'm like I go to NYU and then after graduation they were like what do you do and I was like I don't know <laughs> I don't have an identity anymore like what do I do and all that free time helped me just be like just no no thoughts just keep quiet um and that really helped me make space for gratitude and paying attention and so I think when I'm saying no thoughts head empty I'm like no thoughts head empty about literally everything else like just it's not necessary a lot of we are completely insignificant and it's very freeing to think of life as 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 yourself in that way like I don't matter all that much and that's great that means I can do whatever I want and if I want my brain to be empty I get to decide that that's fine that's great and honestly it feels better <laughs> I was like very you know I was super politically involved in like all of this stuff and I felt really good and I did it but it's super easy to get burned out when you're taking on 600 things and your brain's full all the time that's why I'm like you know you gotta take some time to just have no no thoughts because I feel like when you have no thoughts I at least for me gratitude comes in by itself I don't have to try it just happens because mm -hmm. I'm feeling at peace because I have nothing going on up there so you know I'm just lying in bed and the sun's falling on me and I'm like wow this is really nice I'm not I'm not watching anything I'm not on my phone I'm just like looking at the like lying on the floor or on the bed just like looking at the ceiling and I'm like wow this is nice I'm just like existing right now that's kind of it like I'm just alive I'm just no do just be I was just being and that was great so I think that's that's my relationship with it oh, I love to hear that because yeah I don't experience them as um like in conflict but it's just lovely to hear about your own experience of it and like how they fit together and yeah um yeah so I would be curious to ask about um, more about your coaching and like what you do with people exactly. And, um, you know, I know when I signed up for your coaching, it was like, okay, I want to try this, but I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. And like, it was, you know, very impactful for me. And I would love to hear more about like how you think about what you're doing and like the kinds of problems that clients come to you and with and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, what, what is it that you do in your flirting coaching? Um, so I say flirting, right? And like, that is what I'm doing. But really, it's, it's almost therapy adjacent. I like to say that it's therapy adjacent, because we, there's usually blocks that people feel. One of the main things that I realized, I, you know, I, I am who I am, I have crushes on everyone all the time. I have a crush on someone 24 seven, 365. I am never not crushing on someone, because people are great, and I can't help it. And I just think everyone's amazing. So I always have different like varying levels of at any point I probably have seven crushes on people, right? Mm -hmm. And um I like being that way. That also helps with the no thoughts head empty because when you like someone, nothing's going on up there. Um mm -hmm. and so the thing is that I realized in college um that the only time I felt like pain about an infatuation or a crush or really any relationship at all was when I felt locked. Uh, when I wanted to love them. So if something wasn't going well with someone that I was seeing, it 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 wasn't that they were hurting me or anything. It was that I was feeling at, at, in some way blocked. Like I was like, mm -hmm. I want to show you that I think you're amazing, but I need an appropriate enough relationship with you to be able to do that. And if you're a if you're a crush and like we're you know we've been on like two dates, like you can't do 
a certain, like, you know, you might want to do stuff, but it's like, that's not appropriate under that. But you feel kind of blocked. And it's it's the same with like, you know, with really any other relationship. If you have a fight with a friend that like is your best friend, you are feeling blocked in that like you currently don't have the relationship where you can express love to them because you're both mad at each other. And if if a loved one dies, you're just you feel blocked forever, which is why you feel grief. Like I I can't tell you anymore that I love you. I can't show you anymore that I love you. So what I am aiming to do, hopefully, in in these sessions is to unblock the people that come to me because I think it's very natural to find everything amazing and be in awe of all of it and you know find things to love in every person you ever meet um and that doesn't have to mean that you get into their pants or like you get, get into a relationship with them or they become your best friend it can literally just be like I've had amazing friendships with people that I met in the subway once and then I never saw them again and then I saw them like a year later on the subway again they were like and I was like, ah, what's up, how are you doing? And then we never talked again, but it was amazing. And we mm -hmm. cared about each other. We were like, you told me last year that this, 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 and this was happening. And they were like, yeah, and you told me this. And like, how's that going? And it was amazing. It felt like, incredible. Um, but so it doesn't have to be, you know, a, like a big thing, but it feels really good. So why wouldn't you? And mm -hmm. when you feel unblocked and, you know, feel free to give everybody that kind of attention and love, I think life just gets better and easier and you find more things to be grateful for like other people mm -hmm. and you know I think the quality of life increases you get happier you get more content you feel less embarrassed about yourself because you have to be comfortable with who you are to be able to love other people like that with like no holes barred like no reserve reservations um so yeah <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do and um that you know that depends on the person like what you know what they come in with and then we well, I try to figure it out I try to ask questions we try to dig around a little bit and depending on the person like I'll give homework it's like oh it seems like you know you're feeling really bogged down with like brain fog and like what's going on in your life like there's a lot of stuff going on just go on a walk like every day for 15 minutes and don't use your headphones and just like pay attention and, like look at what's going on if you don't want to take a walk that's fine maybe you know watch when you're watching tv like pay attention to the background what are you seeing in the background like what's the context for the scene that you're setting in um just like noticing and practicing paying attention you get very good at it like anything else it takes practice um and for some people it like depend it's also like you know depending on gender depending on like your age there's so many different things going on like mostly um for women i find that it's it's a it's um the problem is like feeling safe enough to be playful to be flirtatious which makes perfect sense i also understand that like you have to feel safe with someone when you're trying to be flirty with them because flirting with people is intimate it's actually a very intimate activity it's very being playful is intimate it means that you are you know comfortable with who you are and you're okay with making a fool of yourself and being goofy and like you know stupid with someone else and you're trusting that they're not gonna that they're gonna be fine with that and you're trusting yourself to be fine with that so that's it's a very intimate thing I think and you need to feel safe so for you know usually when, when it comes to women it's it's about how do I create a space to be safe where I can do this with other people and for men it's um it's usually how do I fill that space in a way that one makes the other person and this is heterosexual of course but like um how do I fill the space 
in a way that makes the other person in this particular space like feel safe and reinforce that safety and still be playful in a way that like they can appreciate. And for, for anyone queer or heterosexual, whatever, um, usually the analogy that I use is like flirting is kind of like you're on two sides of like two banks of, of a river and like you're trying to get to the other side but you have to like build a bridge with the other person, you kind of have to ask if they'd even like you to, right? Like you you don't do that without asking if you're trying to get to them. So it's it's kind of like you put like bricks on each side and like you're working together to get to the middle with each other. Um, and good flirting is constantly working with each other on that. Um, another analogy that I use is it's like having a rally when you're playing like ping pong or badminton or tennis. Uh, when you don't drop the ball, it's because you're paying really close attention, right? Like you you will drop the ball if you don't pay attention to the other person, like where their hand is and like where they're aiming at. And there's all these calculations that you're doing in your head. But it's like those calculations come very naturally. You don't have to think about them in the moment. They just kind of happen, right? And so it's with flirting is the same. Like it's 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 such a satisfying feeling when you don't drop the ball either of you for like a long period of time, and um, that's how what good flirting feels like when you're when both people are doing a really good job, and um, it takes a lot of paying attention and it takes a lot of like practice. You don't get good at rallies until you practice with a lot of people, uh, and everyone's different, and so you have to really like work with them. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do, and hopefully like that's what's coming across in my sessions like you've had you've had once like you know what, what it's kind of like um but I I just really I just want people to feel sexy and make other people feel great and desired and sexy and desired in a way that isn't just romantic but like just make them feel like they're special and lovely because most people are, and it's just nice to feel. If we can just do that for each other, I think we would just like have a, it's such a like, such a cliche thing of just like, I just want people to love each other, but I do. I think that like, if you flirt with everyone, you're loving each other all the time. And I think that that's pretty noble activity to do with their life. It doesn't have to be your main goal in your life, right? But it can be the, it can be the way that you move through life, which is not bad. It'd be one of the things that you do with your life. I think that's, that's a good goal to have. Definitely, definitely. I'm all about it. Um, it's been so lovely to explore that for myself through, through what you've shared and um, part of why I'm wanting to share this with the world. So um, is there anything that's like um, near the things that we've talked about that feels important to share that like you might want to mention while we're still talking? Hmm. I think a lot of my yeah a lot of my talking points just kind of like move into each other mm -hmm. um yeah you know a lot of it is like you know attention is is intimacy and it creates joy and paying attention to small things creates joy and i think the ultimate goal of my life i think is to just if my greatest project is my life you know my greatest ambition is my life and Mostly when I when I'm talking about any of this stuff or I'm you know working with people or whatever, I I just it, I kind of all just boils down to the fact that like I have been showered with kindness and love and such immense amounts of luck 
and like people have loved me and um, you know other people are the reason that I'm alive if it were up to me it might be kind of hard to, to keep being here but you know they're the reason that I'm here so really it's I just I just want other people to feel that way because of me <laughs> feels a little bit selfish but like that's kind of the underlying foundation for all of this is that like you know other people made me feel loved and seen and heard and solid and like I was a real person that mattered and if I can do that for like one other person I'm done and so far I think I have done that at least with my friends so I am you know I'm my goal was one person so I've overshot that by a lot of people um and I'm that's great like I'm just like overjoyed by that that like I've been able to do that for at least more than one person and that's that's amazing but I think that's just what underlines all of it for me is that I just I just I just really want people to feel good in their mm. bodies and like in their lives even for like the three minutes that we get to meet and I never see them again I would just really like it if they felt good that's mm. That's kind of it. And so with the flirting, it's like, if I can teach you to make other people feel good, that's amazing. I would love to do that. Like that would be an insane amount of like, you know, like uh, domino effect. Like that would mm -hmm. be, like, I was amazed that people wanted to do that in the first place. I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. If I can, if I can reverse engineer this way of being and like help you be that, absolutely. Sign me up. <laughs> 100%. I, I'm so grateful that like, that's something that I am getting to do now. And like, you know, and people are enjoying it and coming back to me with like, yeah, that was super helpful. Like, I, I feel like I can love people a little bit more and I feel less blocked. And I'm like, that's great. Oh my God. Mm. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of really it. It's that it all ties into that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that just now. And also for coming on today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and um, I, I've just learned so much from you and it's, it's lovely to hear more from you and, and to share that with the world. So thank you for your time and uh, your wisdom and yeah, your generosity. You're too kind, too much. Um, I, I'm so grateful to be here. I am a very big fan of you as a person. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just like really happy that you wanted me to come on and talk about, you know, stuff that I care about and listen mm -hmm. and Wow, thank you. You're great. I really appreciate it. Very welcome. Mm -hmm.